All right, guys, let's just let's just get back into this bitch. Uh, I have nothing but time. Time. It's funny I use that word because this particular episode has to do with Back to the Future, one of the greatest motion pictures ever put to celluloid. I don't know why I'm talking like Christopher Walken because he has nothing to do ostensibly with that film. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, I was just watching one of those like fan trailers for what Back to the Future 4 uh, could look like, and for some reason they have Michael J. Fox as he is now talking about the... All right, I'm done with my impressions. Uh, basically, he says, you know, time travel, if it existed, would be the uh, greatest ethical and philosophical question of the modern era. No shit. Uh, why would you change? I can't do a Michael J. Fox. Doc, what the hell is that? No, all right. Um, but I bring this up because I remember as a little boy, I, would, I loved Back to the Future. My mom took me to Universal Studios to the Back to the Future ride. And I remember, you know, waiting on, I remember waiting on line for that ride was almost more exciting to me than the actual ride itself. I remember, I think we went on that ride like five times when we were at Universal Studios when I was, you know, seven or eight or whatever the hell it was. And uh, just the the art direction and the set design of the ride, the I think it's the Time Institute, they called it. Like when you're waiting online, you're going through these, you know, this like science center and they sort of created it as Doc Brown's Time Travel Institute. And there's just all these little TV panels and... Uh, you know, set decorations that you could kind of lose yourself in. And it just, it just all felt so goddamn real. Um, yeah, and I, I, just, I just remember loving that ride. And then at Universal Studios, I'll never forget it. And I, I talked, about my, talked about this with my therapist. We were at the gift shop, and I only had $12 to spend on, uh, you know, incidentals. You know, my mom was very pragmatic, and she gave me, you know, an amusement park allowance and I saw this back to the future toy you know the DeLorean that had this little uh, uh, little it, it would raise up off the ground spin around the lights would go off make noise and it would go back down to simulate the uh, hovercraft uh, anti-gravity version of the vehicle uh, it was super cool but it cost 12 bucks and it was all of my money and I sat there staring at it, debating, being like, I really love Back to the Future. I really want this toy. But if I spend the $12, I won't have any more money for the rest of the day here. And I spent like 10 minutes. And finally, my mom like fed up, just grabbed it and took my money and, and bought it. And she made the choice for me. And I'll never forget it. That bitch robbed me of my utility and freedom. Uh, but at the same time, it's ultimately what I, what I wanted. And that's its own... Yeah, deep-seated psychological, you know, the implications of that. You know, your mother making a choice for you. Uh, God, does this guy have mommy issues or what? <laughs> um, so anyway, I bring all this up to say that maybe a year or two later, at some point in the future, back of the apartment, back in New York, uh, I had recorded Back to the Future. It was on TV. Um, back to the Future 2. Uh, and I love Back to the Future too because it's one of the most racist films in, tel in movie history. Remember, remember when uh, you know Marty goes back to the alternate nineteen eighty five. Remember how the director? How does the director show us that Marty's gone to a bad alternate nineteen eighty five? He goes back to his house, and what does he find there? 
Black people, Doc, what the hell is that? There's black people in his house. That, that, that black dad comes in. I'm going to bust your head, sucker. Which also the most racist thing to happen to black people after the North American transatlantic slave trade. Being forced to say, sucker or Jack from the year 1972 until 1993. Every black actor in an action movie had to go, hey, sucker. Don't be talking to me like that, Jack. So anyway, uh, very racist film. Uh, so I recorded it and something happened with the VCR where, uh, it didn't record. And I sat there fast forwarding this like 16 hour VHS through static while my mom watched and she was like, yeah, I don't think it recorded about, I think something happened. I was just like, no, no, it'll work. Uh, and I just kept fast forwarding for like an hour hoping that back to the future two would show up as an adult tying it back to my father's illustrious return. Uh, Return of the Jedi and Back to the Future 2 I always knew were going to have a significant impact on my mental health or a reflection of where my mental health would lead me and Marty's mom in Back to the Future 2 sort of becomes this you know slave to Biff Tannen and that's kind of how I feel about my mom being with my biological father because my biological father is this, you know, bravado, you know. And one day, a kid and a crazy scientist would show up. And on that day, he would, you know, whatever the fuck he says. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it feels. It feels like my mom is like all dolled up for this jackass. And yeah, it just feels like, I don't know. So anyway, I was watching Back to the Future today and it like hit me. I was just like, why is this shit affecting me so much? And to envision my sort of, uh, you know, uh, ostentatious sort of hustling father who has, you know, uh, cocooned my mother. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, she may very well be very happy and she doesn't tell me shit. So I, I don't know if that's the truth or not. And I don't mean this to say that I think my father is an entirely bad person, but he does represent a lot of that, which is, you know, the fast times, you know, doing doing what you can to live, live in the fast lane. And, you know, there was a time, and perhaps he still has changed. There's a time where I believed that he had sort of left a lot of that in the past. But, you know, I see flashes of his desire to... Uh, be a figure of importance and to be a figure of importance you must be a narcissist as I am and I am very much my father which is why I think I'm so skeptical of him because his DNA courses through me and I know my dedication to being a significant figure I know what I would do to achieve that and I can only imagine what my father who is a man much more committed to uh, by any means necessary behavior. So anyway, all this is just a long way to say that my dad reminds me of Biff Tannen in Back to the Future 2. Uh, and my mom just reminds me of her just sort of when she's just sort of captured. What is, I need to, what is that scene? Let, let's pull up that scene real quick. He's just like, uh, Lorraine, Back to the Future 2, Biff. Let's see here. Oh yeah, here we go. Nah, this fucking ad. Shut the fuck up. I don't need an online degree. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> Sitting here on a Wednesday afternoon, talking into the old microphone. Okay, here we go. 
Mom, it can't be you. He's, he's really staring at her tits. God, the incest in this movie. God. So unhealthy. And, and their house kind of looks like it's a mad light. A lot of sequins and tacky gold. Here we go. Here's my dad. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, anyway, this is my dad. This is. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He scared me off, and this is what happens. My father. <laughs> so, you know, my dad's like the hood version of this. And, you know, we're, we're the hood version of this. You're supposed to be in L.A., you little son of a bitch. Uh, and he's not quite like that. I mean, I, I definitely rejected him before he rejected me. But I just anticipated his absorption. And because that's it. Like, I'm a compelling guy. I'm a persuasive guy. So I know when I sense another persuasive guy who I have no choice but to deal with, I'm like, well, this isn't going to work because I don't absorb. I do the absorbing. So two absorbing men cannot absorb each other. Does that make sense? Uh, so yeah, my life just feels like Back to the Future too. Uh, and my mom is just like just, just quietly going along with it, and that pisses me off even more. Now, my father definitely doesn't believe that. Uh, he believes definitely the exact opposite. My life is a, such a fucking shit show. Because my stepdad... Oh, God, this is so exhausting. I guess it's time to go back to therapy, huh, guys? I don't know. I could talk about this shit forever and psych psychoanalyze my own relationships with my family. But, uh, again, I don't hate anybody. But, like, people need to come to understand that their actions have consequences. And I'm not a child who has to just go along with them. And neither are you. And that's the point of this very long-winded explanation of how my life relates to Back to the Future 2. Uh, you don't just have to go along with people's bullshit just because they're related to you or you've known them for a long time. But it's very difficult to challenge them and bring these issues to light because they're very uncomfortable, they're very emotionally exhausting, and they're not always pleasant. And the outcome is not always pleasant either. But confront them you must. Confront them you must. I'll just call this like the Daddy Issues podcast. I really didn't want it to be, but I guess I got nothing else going on. No, that's not that's not true. I did kissing last night. I did kissing with a lady. I did kissing and it was all right. Uh, it was safe. We had masks on. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, all right. Anything else, Steve-El? Mmm... All right, yeah, I'm just going to do this shit daily for my mental health. Okay, guys, you uh, you have fun, and I'll see you tomorrow on the Ouch My 30s podcast, where you, you come for help, but you leave with a great roast beef sandwich. Eh, eh. <laughs>